even though they legitimately pursued Bryce Harper, Aaron Judge, they agreed to terms on a $350 million deal with Carlos Correa before it fell apart, it's also clear that this ownership group is not trying to do whatever it takes to win a World Series. Their main goal, as you know, put it in Greg Johnson's mouth himself, their goal is to break even financially. He's not saying our goal is to win a World Series at all costs. Our goal is to break even financially. And I think that the proof is in the pudding with what we've seen these last couple of years. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites, Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs, I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube, so check us out there if you have not already. Please hit that subscribe button wherever it is that you are listening. Swing for the fences on sleeper picks, and you could win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. And coming up on today's show, we're going to get into a few things, including some mailbag questions. I know I promised those and we will get into some of those later. But there are a couple things that came out in the last couple days that caught my eye and I felt like needed to be addressed. They kind of went under the radar. Susan Slusser, again, doing, I think she did this last year with Greg Johnson as well. Maybe it was Andrew Baggerly, but that's besides the point. Greg Johnson is the San Francisco Giants. Let me see, what's his title here? He is an owner, chairman of the board of directors, and control person for the organization. He's basically the most important at-the-top person in charge of the San Francisco Giants. And, you know, he's the son of Charles Johnson, who's obviously drawn a lot of criticism for much of what he's done, including his political donations to... Yeah, I don't I don't want to get into that right now. The point is... The, uh, the point is that he had some things to say in this interview with Susan Slusser in the Chronicle that basically throw a lot of cold water on a lot of things. And so the first question to get to from Slusser, she says, Farhan Zaidi mentioned to John Shea of the Chronicle that the front office checked in on Shohei Otani at the trade deadline. I know you can't discuss players who might be available in free agency, but how do you see where the team might be from a financial standpoint, when going after some of the biggest names. To which Johnson replied, I don't think there are a lot of names available. He's right about that. 
Uh, it's not like last year where you had a lot of big names hitting the market. This year is a little bit quieter with obviously one big name, maybe two. The financial flexibility is there, but it comes at the cost of the flexibility to do other things to fill in your roster. And we still have a lot of potential opt-ins and opt-outs, so it'll all kind of fit into where we are flexibility-wise. I think the picture is still somewhat moving. And I'm, before I comment on that, the follow-up question from Susan Slusser is the payroll this year is not among MLB's top payrolls. Would you go over the luxury tax cap limits for the right potential fit? And then he says, we try to be smart about what we're doing and we recognize the importance for fans to have that kind of draw for the ballpark. All of that gets balanced in, but it just depends on the situation and where we are. I don't think we'd ever see ourselves massively exceeding that level in the luxury tax. And then another comment uh, later on is about the Mission Bay project, which is that you know neighborhood they're building across the street from the ballpark. And the question is, how much impact will the project have on what you can do financially from a baseball perspective? To which he says, I mean, it helps. There's no question. How much it helps remains to be seen. But if everything goes right, it may add a good second baseman in a year. It's not like, oh, they've got these billion dollar buildings and now they can go pay a billion dollars. We're a general partner with many others with a percentage interest. The cash flow is the real driver that's going to create more capability on the payroll side. The bottom line is it's a help and any help goes right into payroll. Our goal is to break even every year. So the more revenue we can take in goes straight to payroll. So that was a lot to kind of throw at you, but that last line about our goal is to break even, and then the earlier line about how, uh, the earlier line about how flexibility comes at the cost of the flexibility to do other things. So it only comes at the cost of the ability to do other things if you're not willing to go past the break even point, right? If you're saying, which he's saying, like he's saying plain as day. And to his credit, I just want to say, not all people in his position do even meet with the media. They just don't talk to the media. And we're just left to try to figure these things out on our own. But I believe that he's telling the truth, but that the truth is not something that is particularly uh, inspiring if you're a fan of the San Francisco Giants, because they're basically saying, we just want to break even with our money. And that's fine in a way. Like they're not trying to profit. I do just want to point out that there was this Forbes report prior to the season that the Giants were like second in profits or whatever. Those numbers are completely unverifiable. And so Johnson said it. I believe it. There's no way that 
that information is not public. And so just to throw it out there as if it was fact, I think is very irresponsible of Forbes. And you've got, I've got people blowing up my mentions every day, not, not literally, but people believed that because Forbes is a reputable name and they put that information out there, but it's not public information. So I would take it with a grain of salt and one piece of evidence that supports what Johnson is saying, although I'm critical of this overall, something that supports that what he's saying is true is that for three straight years, 2020, 21, and 22, the Giants had payrolls of about $160 million. And then this year, they received a $30 million payment from the sale of BAM Tech to Disney for $900 million. So each team got $30 million. And what happened to the Giants payroll? It went up by $30 million. And so it's pretty clear to me that that's what's going on. But what does that mean? It means that potentially next year, you're looking at a decrease of $30 million from what it is now back to around the $160 million mark. And my kind of argument, and I think this is super logical, is like maybe you lose some money for a few years to put together a good product that brings more people into the stands and makes you go into the playoffs and there's more revenue associated with higher attendance and also making the playoffs, especially making a deep run, all the extra ticket sales there, all the merchandise that's, that gets sold. And then all of a sudden, like you got to spend money to make money kind of a deal. And so just to like have this hard and fast rule, like we are just not going to overspend what we take in. It's not popular. It's not going to be popular. And it puts the Giants somewhere in the middle in terms of ownership and like there are certain owners who are just trying to profit like the A's and then there are certain owners like Steve Cohen of the Mets who are like I don't I'm losing hundreds of millions of dollars a year on this team and I don't care I want to win but and to be fair what happened this year they the Mets stunk and they ended up having to sell off a lot of their players so it doesn't like and the Tampa Bay Rays they're a team that probably profits a lot because they don't spend a lot and yet they have success each and every year. And so you don't have to spend big to win. And in fact, spending big doesn't necessarily mean winning as we saw with Steve Cohen in New York this year. But at the same time, it's disappointing. And the Mission Bay project, you know, I thought we all had this idea that it was going to, there was an article written years ago that the project was going to boost revenues to the point where the Giants would be able to be spending like the Dodgers. But instead, we're getting Greg Johnson saying it might get a good, if everything goes perfect, it might get us a good second baseman in a year. I don't know what that means exactly. How good are we talking? Are we talking about like a one-year deal? Are we talking about like a 12-year commitment? Talking about a like Marcus Simeon-like contract? What does he mean exactly? I have no idea. So, Anyway, this is in the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Susan Slusser for doing the interview. It's called Giants Chairman Greg Johnson Q&A on Farhan Zaidi's future, Otani, and his dad's donations. So I encourage you to check it out. But anyway, coming up in just a minute, we're going to turn our attention to 
the Donnie Ecker effect, and then we'll get to some mailbag questions. But it's been a big enough sample. I said this yesterday, but I was waiting a long time to get a big enough sample to make state to make grand declarations. And at this point, we have well over a season's worth of data on when Ecker was here versus after he left. And so we're going to look at the stark comparison in the numbers in just a minute. And before we get into it, I want you to know that this episode is brought to you by our friends over at Sleeper. Do you want the chance to win more money with fewer picks? Head to Sleeper where you can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. Sleeper is now offering up to a 100 times payout for up to eight pick contests. Choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right and you could win big. Do you think that the Atlanta Braves are going deep tonight against the Giants? The Braves have been crazy at hitting homers in the first inning. Cobb is a ground ball pitcher, but he struggled lately. And so, you know, Ronald Acuna... Matt Olson, or maybe you're like an optimistic Giants fan and and you take the under on that. Well, that's your prerogative and you can play over at Sleeper Picks. Or do you think, you know, Ellie De La Cruz is going to steal a base or not hit? Uh, or maybe you think Acuna won't steal a base because Patrick Bailey is going to be behind the plate, for for example. So, Entries can be made in 30 seconds or less. It's that easy. And they also have safe and fast withdrawals. Use promo code locked on and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Alrighty, here we go. We are going to discuss what I am deeming the Donnie Ecker effect. Because, you know, again, I am patient when it comes to, I have a little bit of a platform here. And so if I was just a fan, to be honest, a lot of, like if I was, I am just a fan, but if I was a fan who had like 22 followers on Twitter, which was about where I was when I started Locked on Giants, to be honest. Maybe closer to 100, but less than 100. I was like screaming all the time about stuff. But in my position, I have to be a little bit more careful is just the truth of it. I have to be patient. And before I make big declarations that like criticize people who it may not be their fault. You know, I I have to be careful. But the Donnie Ecker thing, I've waited a long time. There's a lot of games that happened between 2020 and 2021. That was obviously a 60-game season, 162-game season. So it was like 122 games. And then from 2022 to 2023, it's more than that, but it's not that much more. It's like 280 to... Yeah, 280 something. And so it's a big sample of both when Ecker was here and after he left. Thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day, every dayers on Monday. We're going to be talking about a series in Atlanta. Can the Giants survive 
I honestly, this is one of the rare times where I'm saying if you just win one, that's acceptable. It's not great. It's not great at all. But if you just win one, it's not a disaster. If you get swept, then all of a sudden things are going to be looking dicey for the Giants down the stretch. Uh, yeah, the Giants play the Braves tonight at 420 Pacific. You can catch every pitch of the Giants hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app search Giants. So the Donnie Ecker effect, without further delay, let me it's just numbers, straight up numbers. And the fact is, like I said, it's been a big sample of both when he was here and after he left. So he came in in 2020 when 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 Gabe Kapler came in. He left after the 107 win season. So from tw- I'm going to do from 2021 through 2022 and then look at, or excuse me, 2020 to 2021, and then from 2022 to 2023. Batting average. When Ecker was here, 259, which ranked fifth in Major League Baseball. And I took pitchers out of the equation because pitchers did hit in 2021, but I removed them. So pitchers are not counted in these numbers. 259 average was fifth. Post-Ecker, 236 average. 25th in baseball from 5th to 25th on base percentage 337 when Ecker was here third best in baseball 315 after Ecker left 16th in baseball slugging 454 when Ecker was here three, uh, which was fourth best 389 slugging after Ecker left 22nd from 4th to 22nd 196 ISO when Echo was here. Echo, Ecker was here. ISO is just slugging minus batting average. And that was fourth best in baseball. After Ecker left, 153 ISO, 20th in baseball. Weighted runs created plus. All-encompassing number 100 is league average. When Ecker was here, non-pitchers for the Giants had a 113 weighted runs created plus. 13% above average second best in major league baseball behind only the Dodgers. After Ecker has left, the Giants have a 98 weighted runs created plus, which is 18th best in baseball. Strikeout rate. When Ecker was here, still not great. 22.3%, 11th lowest in baseball. And after Ecker left, 24.3%. Two percentage points higher, 28th in baseball, meaning the third highest in baseball. And so I could have, I ran out of Twitter characters. That's often, sometimes people are like, why didn't you say this? Why didn't you say that? It's often because I run out of characters and I don't subscribe to the Twitter blue or whatever it is where you can have a longer post. So I stuck with those numbers. Last night I was looking at more and there's more to look at, but that I just went with kind of the big dogs there. And it's just clear. I mean, whether or not like correlation does not equal causation, basically. So it's not it's not like provable that this is because of Donnie Ecker leaving. But like I said, I'm not saying this is all about Ecker. But I'm not not saying that either. And so that's kind of my thing. From 2020 to 2021, by the way, the Giants record was 136 
and 86, a 99-win pace per 162 games. After he left, starting in 2022, the Giants are 145 and 138, an 83-win pace. So from a 99-win pace to an 83-win pace. And so I think it's a combination of things. You know, you had Posey playing his last year in 2021 and had a great year. And he's a great Hall of Fame player. But if you look at the last year when Posey played before that, it wasn't very good. And so I think, you know, you look at the year Crawford had, you look at the year Posey had, a lot of it, to me, gets attributed to Donnie Ecker, or at least the hitting group in general. And I thought that once Ecker left, the guys left behind, Justin Veely, Dustin Lind, would be able to keep up at least some of the pace. But... So far, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. The numbers are what they are, and the numbers are so bad, especially this year, even worse this year than last year offensively, that in the offseason, possibly before the offseason, I'm never going to call for someone to be fired. This is kind of what I'm talking about, about how I feel like I have to be somewhat careful because these are people's lives and jobs, and I don't know what the cause is. But they need to investigate. Does somebody need to be replaced? They need to investigate that. And I'm hopeful that they are investigating that. And they are investigating what went wrong here. And just one last final point. Donnie Ecker, by the way, of course, one of the hitting coaches that was brought in in 2020. And the main one, the one who was thought to have the best skill at helping players improve. He went over to the Texas Rangers. And what have the Rangers done? They showed improvement in 2022, and then they've taken off in 2023. Sound familiar? The Giants showed improvement in 2020, and then they took off in 2021. So it's hard to ignore the pattern here. And I've said this a million times, but it may end up being like a catastrophic mistake not keeping this guy with the Giants. And I don't know why. Maybe they tried. Maybe he just wanted to be in Texas. Maybe he wasn't happy here. I have no idea. But the proof is in the pudding. As I said, the numbers are what they are, not just for the Giants, but also for the Texas Rangers. And I know they've got Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, but those guys are not the only ones carrying that lineup. It's a bunch of guys who just showed dramatic improvement in the last couple of years. And so anyway, the Donnie Ecker effect used to be here and now it's not and it's a problem so coming up in just a minute we will get to some mailbag questions the first one is going to be from uh go fishing california asking me to predict the giants win total at the end of the year so i will give you a number and we'll get to more mailbag questions even than just that in just a minute and before we do All right, as promised, we are going to get to some mailbag questions as I've been promising for a couple of weeks. Let's try to run through them pretty quickly. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day, every dayers on Monday. We're going to be hopefully not licking our wounds after a drubbing at the hands of the Atlanta Braves, who are just about the scariest team you could want to play right now. They're just lethal offensively. They hit a ton of home runs. Their first inning run scoring is off the charts, and so it's going to be a challenge. And like I said, if you can come away with a win, I would take that. 
and I do not normally say this. Normally, taking one out of three is not good, but against the Braves in Atlanta, and then they're going to play the Phillies, and then they're going to play the Braves again, this time at home. But it's tough. The schedule is tough. Giants play the Braves at 420 Pacific. Maybe that's a good omen, <laughs> if you get my drift. Uh, and you can catch every pitch of the Giants' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Giants. So, mailbag questions. Let's get to them quickly. Go Fishing, California says, how many wins, total wins, are you predicting for the Giants? And so, you know, I'm a numbers-based guy. And so, for me, part of what I do is look at the projections. I don't want to just guess off the top of my head. I also need to be reminded what their current record is right now. I think they're like, I think they're still seven games over 500. They are loading, loading, loading. They're 64 and 57. So yes, there's seven games over 500. That is a pace, by the way. It says uh, it's a 529 winning percentage, which would be 85.7 wins. I'm not giving you my answer yet. This is just part of how I think about this. So their current pace is 85.7 wins. Their schedule is tough. And so I wouldn't just assume they keep up the current pace that they're on. Fan graphs, which is not using zips, which is higher than the Giants on the system that fan graphs is using. But the system that Fangraphs is using pegs the Giants at 84.8 wins. So we've got a pace of 85.6, a projection of 84.8. So that's a, you know, we're looking at about 85 if we combine those two. My original guess coming into the season was 86 wins. And so... I mean, should I just keep with my original prediction? I think that they fall between like bad case, reasonable bad case, like 84. I I almost want to say 83, but I really hope that doesn't happen. 84 and 88 on like the high end. So somewhere in between there is 86. In fact, right in the middle is 86. Before the season, I was like 86, 87, 88, and I was waffling. And so I'm going to say 86 and 76 as the final record. And that very well may be enough to get into the playoffs. I'm hoping they do a little bit of outperformance and can get to that 87, 88 range. But they have not been playing well for months. And so... You know, it's hard for me to just say the optimistic number. That would just be me being optimistic. But 86 and 76, and that very well may get them into the playoffs with the way that this race is going. Might not, though. Anyway, next question from Dave101P, who says, The Giants are my favorite team, and they win. Why am I slightly repulsed by them? (laughs) Which I just think is a hilarious question and actually when i read it i was like dave 101 p i am with you a hundred percent that's exactly how i feel so this to be fair these questions were asked two weeks ago at least and so it was before things got even worse basically 
I think it was around when the Giants were beating the Red Sox in the last couple games of that series. So I think the reason you're slightly repulsed by them is mostly because they're having a historically hard time scoring runs over the span of months, two months. And so to watch a team night in and night out be the worst offensive team in baseball is going to make you slightly repulsed, even if they're finding ways to somehow not have a horrible record over that span. A team that's hitting, uh, even if they're pitching, I don't know, if they're pitching decent, but they're hitting well, it can be more fun to watch. But just one, two, three innings, just automatic two outs, nobody on like every inning is just hard to watch. And I think that's why largely why you're slightly repulsed by them. There's also just kind of weird vibes with, you know, some people Kapler rubs them the wrong way. And some people, Greg Johnson and his comments rub them the wrong way. Some people, Farhan Zaidi and his approach rubs them the wrong way. And so I don't know exactly why you're repulsed by them, but for me it comes down to the run scoring. And if you're having if you're scoring runs, you're having fun. Like the beginning of the year, uh, like through May and June, it was fun for a lot of stretches. And what was the difference? Run scoring. So last question from the Tim Reaper who says, which potential wildcard team do the Giants match up best against? Philly, Miami, Arizona, Milwaukee, Chicago, LA. Piggybacking, could you please simulate playoff path with Giants as I can't do all that. I don't have enough time. I'm sorry. I will get to that later perhaps, because it's a good question. One of the top I had here. But in terms of matchups, this is a good one. And for me, as I pull up the wildcard standings, currently as things stand, the Giants would play the Phillies. The other teams in the mix, like you said, the Cubs, the Reds, the Marlins, the D-backs, the Padres potentially. And then I kind of draw the line there and I don't see the Mets playing a role. The Braves and Dodgers are going to win the division, and so they're not a wild card matchup, but they could be a later on matchup. But the Brewers, you know, they have a chance to fall out of first place and become a possible wild card matchup. They only have a two-game lead in their division. But obviously you want to host no matter what. But I will just say the way it works is the top wild card team hosts the second wild card team the third wildcard team goes to the third best division winner to play on the road. And there are circumstances, including arguably this year, where I would rather face, I would rather be the third wildcard team than the second wildcard team. And I hate that that incentive structure exists where you'd rather be worse in a certain sense. I don't get how they should set up a incentive structure that looks like that but anyway playing the milwaukee brewers i know they've got i need to check in like corbin burns uh brandon woodruff woodruff was hurt a lot so i need to check in on those pitchers if those guys are healthy those are not two pitchers you want to face in a best of three on the road burns and woodruff but the brewers have a much worse offense than even the giants this season and so that would give you a chance, but you and then uh, I was going to say Josh Hader, but he's not there. Devin Williams, they've got some good bullpen arms, and so I would be scared 
to play the Brewers. I feel like the Giants always play well against the Phillies, including in Philadelphia, because that ballpark, they, like they're, the balls that they hit well go out of the ballpark in Philadelphia. So matching up against the Phillies, I don't think would be the worst thing in the world, even though they've got some high-end pitching and some good back-end pitching as well. So they would be tough. The Cubs have this like team of destiny feel, and that always unnerves me. If you can host the Cubs, maybe I feel a little bit better about that. I think the Reds are a team that I would definitely... All of these teams are dangerous, but the Reds, I think, have kind of outperformed all season long in a lot of ways. They've got some good young talent, but their pitching is not good. They've allowed 608 runs to the Giants' 514, and so you have a chance to kind of beat up on some Reds pitching, although they've got some good young guys who are hurt right now. And if so if those guys come back, that can make a difference. The Marlins, I think the the Reds and Marlins are two teams I would probably prefer the most to match up with, followed by the Cubs are kind of hard for me to gauge. Uh, they might be next, and then the... Phillies and then the Brewers as last actually because of that pitching but their hitting is so bad I think there's so much parity that a lot of these teams you wouldn't feel like you were in a horrible matchup against I think any team you would feel like you had a pretty good shot especially if you're hosting Arizona same kind of deal like their pitching just hasn't been great and so it wouldn't be the worst matchup. One team I would not want to see is the San Diego Padres. If they somehow sneak into that wild card picture, uh, first of all, they would be coming off a hot streak by necessity just to get in. And then they've got all the star talent in the world. So if you have to see the Padres in the first round, it would be exciting, but probably my least favorite. And otherwise, it's really hard to choose. I'd probably choose these teams with negative run differentials, like the the Reds, Marlins, and even Brewers, but it Brandon Woodruff was hurt. Now he's back, so I need I would need to check on that. But obviously, hosting a game against like the Reds, I think would be would be good, a good matchup, or the Marlins because they also have a hard time scoring, and even some of their best pitching, like Sandy Alcantara, hasn't been the same this year. Anyway, I've gone overboard. That is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Locked On Giants your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow, or excuse me, on Monday. Can the Giants survive Atlanta? What roster moves get made between now and then? And that's about it. Win a game in Atlanta. Win two. Win three. Please. I'm begging you. Because the Giants, despite all their struggles, are still in a pretty strong playoff position. And so if you can win some games, you're going to give yourself a good shot. But if you start dropping three straight, you know, you're going to, you're going to fall in the standings. So Giants play the Braves tonight, 420 Pacific. You can catch every pitch of the Giants hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app search Giants. Once again, I'm Ben Kaspik. Check me out on X at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out a lot. So thank you in advance. And thank you to everyone who's done so already. I cannot wait to be with you again on Monday. Have a great weekend. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.